back to another episode of Sweet Script Stories. I'm Eric Rubaugh. And I'm Tim Dietrich. And today we thought we would talk about the continuing trend of commoditization in the software world at large. And uh, NetSuite not being immune from that. And how as a developer or a development firm, you can defend against or stave off or go with the flow maybe of commoditization so maybe we should start with what is commoditization what are we talking about in this context right so i'd, I'd be curious to hear tim what your definition is yeah i thought about this before the episode and the way I would describe it is it, it's when things, including people and services, um, they become commodities when it becomes difficult to tell them apart. So there's, as somebody who's looking to purchase something, again, might be a product, might be a service, whatever. If there's little or no perceived advantage of one uh, offering over another, then you're essentially dealing with with a commodity, mm -hmm. right? It's it's it maybe almost impossible to tell two things apart, or for the person purchasing the potentially purchasing those things, you really can't tell one from one apart from the other. There's right. no benefit to buying one versus buying the other. But that's how I look at it. Yeah, and I, I think I have a very similar definition. Hopefully, there's no economists listening, but I it's absolutely. What, exactly like you said, things, whether it's goods, people, services that are just completely undifferentiated in the buyer's mind. If you are a consumer of soybeans, the soybeans from Nebraska are no different than the soybeans from Iowa. And so there's a commodities market for that that tries to you know, set a level fair price um, and if you don't want to be a part of that if you want to charge more than the level average price or even a lower price what do you do how do you normally see so i mean i definitely want to talk about how i how i think you fight against it but i think that's different than how i see most people in our space trying to fight against it um, and maybe they're not directly thinking about it like fighting against commoditization but they're the ways in which people try to differentiate themselves so the way that NetSuite developers or especially consulting partners uh, try to differentiate themselves from other developers or consulting partners uh, how, how do you see that normally? Well, I think before we, we get into that, I think sure, sure. You know, going back to like the problem with commoditization, it's a problem for the provider of it, right? For the person that's purchasing the commodity, it's great because it's like, right. it's really just what's the cheapest offering. Uh -huh. And that is the problem for the provider, which is that when what you're offering becomes a commodity, you are primarily you primarily end up competing based 
solely on your price, right? So yes, it's it starts what people refer to as a race to the bottom, right? Like how low can I get my price and still survive? Whereas yeah. some of the businesses I've seen and been involved with in, within the past, even that doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> it's like just we just we're going to be the cheapest no matter what, even if we have to run at a loss. <laughs> so. Um, so there's that. But, you know, getting back to what you're saying, like, how can you avoid becoming a commodity? You have to find a way to differentiate yourself from the other providers, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, one way that you can do that is to specialize in something, you know, build expertise in the market mm-hmm. that sets you apart from other people providing the service. And let's just, we'll, I guess switch right to to sweet script in particular now, but um, I think you have to do that. You have to find some some area of specialization, and then make it known that that is your area of expertise. And that's where I think things get interesting. There's there's two two interesting things there. One, finding an area to specialize in that makes mm-hmm. sense, and then secondly, okay, great. Now I'm going to specialize in this. How do I get the word out? How do I communicate that? to potential customers or employers, right? It could also be somebody looking to hire you. Yeah, I think, so again, before you, before we go to maybe our solutions, I, I, I'm in total agreement with you. you. You have to differentiate yourself and you do, I think, I believe you do that through specialization and expertise and that saying I may like I specialize in NetSuite that's not that's not good enough Um, but before that the way I see the, the way I see a lot of firms doing it is that's all the farther they go they say we are a NetSuite shop or I am a NetSuite developer and that's all the further they go. And so now you're competing against all 500-ish NetSuite partners uh, or all, you know, several thousand NetSuite developers. Uh, And then from there, like, (laughs) I almost want to do this live, but if you just pull up Google and search for NetSuite developers, or NetSuite consulting partners, whatever it might be. Either one will lead you to the same thing. And you just start clicking and looking at web pages. They're all going to talk about themselves. They're going to talk about their company story. And they're going to talk about their awesome process. And they're going to talk about me, 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 I, we. It's all in first person. Um, and no one cares <laughs> if you're the buyer of, say, if you're buying development services, you don't care about whether they have the most efficient processes because that's not a credible or that's not a, um, it's not a claim that you as the buyer can validate because you don't know enough because you're not a developer. That's why you're buying services and you shouldn't need to know. And also everyone is using that same thing, talking about their process, and it doesn't matter. That's not a differentiator in the buyer's mind because they can't validate your claim. Right. 
it could very well be that that your process really does make you somewhat unique, right? Maybe you have some yeah. interesting way of doing whatever, right? Some way of cranking out sweet script code or solutions based on sweet script, whatever. Uh -huh. But if you're the company that's looking to hire somebody to do that, that process that you have might not really like in their eyes seem like it has enough additional value that they're going to choose you over somebody else. Like it, in other words, yeah, it may truly differentiate you to some extent, but not in the eyes of the potential customer. So you have to be really right. careful, I think, about how you establish that, that differentiation. In other words, you need to stand out in the right way, in a way that somebody says, yeah, that's the company or that's the person that mm -hmm. I want to work with. I, so. so as someone who advises teams on building better processes and better teams, <laughs> perhaps it's strange from what, what I'm not saying is that efficient, effective, good process doesn't matter. That's not what I'm saying. It absolutely does. What I'm saying is it's not a differentiator in your clients or your prospective clients mind. It, they can't validate your claim. So it, by default, it doesn't build up any trust. And that's what, that's what you have to do to rise above commoditization. You have to stand out, like you just said. And if everyone's talking about their awesome process, that doesn't stand out because everyone's talking about it. You have to stand out and you have to uh, build trust with your prospective clients and talking about and showing PowerPoint slides and cool little Venn diagrams or flow charts doesn't do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I so. think it's, it's easy to, to try to set yourself apart like going back to the, our process is better. Another example might be I write clean code, right. Or like, we use source control or we don't right? like, um, if I, in the customer's mind, I would think they're probably saying, well, I, I would have thought that you did, right? I would have thought that you had a process. Yeah, I would have thought that like you write clean code. It's expected. Yeah, so it's certainly not, you know, going to, I, I mean, yeah, it might check a box in their mind, but I don't think that's the big box they're looking to check. I think the, the box that somebody's looking to check when they evaluate you is, can this person solve my problem? Mm -hmm. Is this the right person to do that? And it's not based on those other things. I mean, they're important, like you said, but that's that's not the big one. The big one is just, can they help me? Yeah, I just don't, I don't know how they, the only people who, who can validate your claim that you write clean code are other developers. And mm -hmm. most likely you are not selling to other developers. Right. So cool. You might be able to brag that you write the cleanest sweet script to other developers. Great. They're not paying you. And you don't rise above the rest of the market. You don't stand out by marketing with your peers. You have to market with your prospective clients. This is largely a marketing conversation, a marketing, a positioning, a specialization conversation, because that is perhaps the best defense against commoditization. Otherwise, right. you know, if you're a developer in the United States trying to charge 80, 150, 250 bucks an hour 
or a consulting partner trying to charge 300, 400, 500 bucks an hour, um, you better have a really compelling reason why you're better than paying a team in the Philippines 25 bucks an hour. And so, your clean code is not a compelling reason. Yep. So let's talk about some of the ways to find... To the buyer. <laughs> right. So yeah, what are we advising that we do? Well, I think there are a couple ways, several ways that you can find differences that matter, ways to stand out that really do you know, resonate, potentially resonate with prospective customers. Or, and again, I'll also throw in prospective employers, right? Because if I'm, if I'm running a, a NetSuite development firm or a consulting company and I'm looking to hire somebody, I think if you're positioning yourself as, a, as a potential employee that has a specialization, there's a lot of value in that too. So we're not just talking about this being important to somebody that's out on their own, you know, like you and I, but also it's important to people who are looking to get a good uh, job, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. You can use so, the same um, strategies right. and develop the same expertise as an individual. Uh, yeah, right. It, it's your marketing is really what it comes down to, whether you are a, a solo developer that's out on his own or somebody that's looking for a job or looking for a contract. You know, it all comes down to how can I stand out and not just be seen as just another NetSuite developer, or just another SuiteScript developer. Just another soybean. <laughs> right. So I, I started to put some thoughts about that too. Like how can you find differences that really do matter? And these are somewhat vague, but I'll throw a couple of them out. And so one is listen to your existing clients and prospective clients or... What? Yeah, imagine that. Listen, <laughs> listen, right? And listen to your, uh, you know, prospective employers. You know, when you're in an interview or you're talking to somebody about a position, like, what are the hot buttons for them? What are the issues that they're running into, right? Because, you know, where there are problems, there are opportunities. And where there are opportunities, I think it's an opportunity to potentially specialize. So, yeah. so there's that, right? Get to know what's going on in the NetSuite world. Um, I had also thought about uh, the fact that I think following the trends, that doesn't mean like, you know, just always going with the trends, but, but like kind of get your finger on the pulse of what's going on in the community by looking at things like the NetSuite professional Slack. What are people talking about in there? What problems are coming up all the time? Mm -hmm. Same with Reddit. Like there's a, you know, the, the NetSuite Reddit and, um, and on LinkedIn, to some extent, you'll see stuff like that. You know, you kind of get a sense for what's hot. Like, what are the issues that people are running into? Mm -hmm. And they're not necessarily technical, you know, but. Yeah. Uh, Amy Hoy would call those watering holes. Find the watering holes of your prospective clients. So, or developers, yeah. like the NetSuite Professional Slack is a great one because Every day, there's that SweetScript channel is exploding with questions and problems that that people are facing and trying to solve. Um, yeah. So if NetSuite developers are your clients, that's a great place to sit and hang out and listen to their problems. So 
if you are trying to help manufacturers, go find the place that manufacturers are hanging out. Go find the stuff that manufacturers are reading, sharing, publishing, asking about. Find their watering holes and just hang out and listen. Right. Soak it all up. Soak up all that knowledge. And I think especially I see this with the, the Slack team um, that you start to see the same problems come up again and again and again to the point that somebody that's trying to help the other person out will actually link to one of the previous like discussions about yeah. it. <laughs> right. It's getting to that point. And when you start to see that, you know, it's a common problem and you know, there's an opportunity there, right. And potentially one. So I like that there's that, description of it as being a watering hole. It's where people are hanging out, like where they're talking, where they're going to get help, to get advice, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I thought about was, you know, think about what you appreciate when it comes to the things that you've purchased that could be a commodity. You know, what did you appreciate about the provider that you chose? Why did you choose them? You know, was mm-hmm. it just because they were nice? Or did they, hopefully it wasn't just because they were the cheapest price, but in some cases, maybe it really doesn't matter. But, um, and I got to thinking about that in my own like world. And a few years ago, we, uh, my wife and I, we needed to have some work done on our house and the contractor, we had a bunch of contractors come out and talk to us. And the one that we ended up choosing wasn't the cheapest. As a matter of fact, they were probably one of the more expensive, um, contractors you know that, that we had spoken with mm-hmm. um and i got to think well why did we choose them what was it about that that really like made us decide on them and it it came down to i think the fact that they took the time to answer our questions it was really clear that they were experts in the products that they offered and the services that they offered they had good testimonials from past clients they were really easy to do business with Mm-hmm. Again, they weren't the cheapest, um, but that's why we went with them. And so I bring that up because I think that if you, again, these aren't necessarily things that are, you know, could differentiate you to the point that you can like make it part of your web page or put on your resume that I'm easy to work with, whatever. But you have to come across that way, right? Those are sort of like uh, characteristics of you and, and potentially your business that will matter. You know, the customer might not even realize it, but if they feel good about you and you've already kind of positioned yourself as the expert in the space, then, you know, then man, it's going to be really difficult for them to choose somebody else. Yeah. Um, I had a similar experience with, with contractors and construction recently, but I want to touch on something you said. You said it was very clear they were experts at what they do. How did you, as not a construction expert, I assume. How did you come to that conclusion? Because they, there were, I think, two ways. One, they gave us information that we understood right from the get-go. You know, it wasn't like I had to go and research. It was, it had, we were getting siding work done on our house. And, I, you know, I've never mm-hmm. done anything like that before. And I don't want to be a siding expert. I didn't want to have to look stuff up. You shouldn't have but to. So they, right. They gave me enough information that I felt informed you know they answered questions before i asked them in most cases and for the ones that i did have they had answers that made sense there was never a question that i asked them where they didn't have a good answer and 
it was actually really interesting because I think some of the things that they said made us then realize that we needed to ask that question of the other providers who didn't offer that up right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And when we would ask them, they didn't have good answers. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, it really did. It, it made them stand out. It was clear that they were experts, everything from the way they marketed themselves, presented themselves. And then honestly, it followed all the way through from beginning to end on the project, like when they were done, you know, it was just, it was an awesome experience. And yeah, it was expensive, but it was painless other than just the fact that it cost a bunch of money. There was no getting around that, right? We wanted it done right, and it was worth it to do yeah, it right. Well, so. I mean, that's why people pay for stuff. You, you don't yeah. have the time to do it yourself. You didn't have the time or the motivation to learn how to site your house, so you traded money for siding on your house. That's yeah. why anyone buys anything, including services including your code. Right. And um, we were willing to pay extra for that peace of mind, knowing that it was, or suspecting uh, in a good way, uh, that it was going to be done right, you know? So, yeah. And I think I, that kind of ties back to what we're talking about here, right? Like it's just, but yeah, I see what you're saying, like with the expertise, how do you clearly uh, present that to your customers, right? Yeah, so my example is that we uh, recently finished our basement. It was been unfinished for years, and we wanted a space for the, the toddler to play. So I was doing a ton of research. I don't, I don't build stuff. I'm not in construction, so I'm doing it. So how do I find a good construction company? How do I know? Who's good? Who's not? Right? Contractors get really bad reputation a lot. And searching, you know, basement remodel, uh, not very helpful. <laughs> there's a lot of construction <laughs> on the front range of Colorado. Uh, there's a ton of construction going on. Ton of so there are a ton of builders. Um, and so I'm, you know, scrolling through the first page of Google and this generic construction company ads and then like somewhere near the bottom of page two i went to page two can you believe it <laughs> <laughs> is just a business called northern colorado basements <laughs> yeah and so obviously i want to talk to them because i have a problem that is i want my basement in northern colorado finished <laughs> um I definitely pulled and talked to a bunch of the, the companies on the front page and had them come out and give quotes. And, and But boy, was I immediately, boy, did they immediately stand out because even just their business name uh, clearly identified themselves as someone who, who could probably solve my problem. Um, that's not all it takes. But, you know, we didn't just hire them because their business was named that. Um, they were, right. I had some quotes that were half, literally half what, what this company's was and still hired them because when they came out, um, same, a lot of the same things that you said, right? They were anticipating my questions and basically answered all of them in their own. I asked them, 
just in their own pitch, basically, they, they answered all my, almost all my questions. They had testimonials. They had uh, stuff. They had worked on houses down the street from me. So I, you know, pre-COVID, <laughs> literally could walk down the street and ask um, my neighbors how they, you know, uh, how the project was and how they liked their basement and all that stuff. Um, they had proof, right? They had social proof of their their work. And they, like, do they do other stuff? Sure, they do. But they had lots of evidence that they are very good at finishing basements in northern Colorado. <laughs> mm -hmm. You can't just say it, right? You have to back up your claim. And we're extremely happy. Uh, it's It's been done for a while now. And it's it's been amazing and after that you know once we hired them we also found they had an excellent process for taking care of us and answering our questions quickly and that was amazing too but there's no way i could have vetted that before start before hiring them before paying them money yeah so yes your processes are important for uh a current client and and for having a, an excellent client experience but there's no almost no way to validate that stuff beforehand if you're not an expert right if i've never hired you before if we've never worked together i have no way to validate your claim that you have the best process yeah it was probably a pleasant surprise you know i would think yeah, that's absolutely. how it was for us it was like it was one thing to feel really good about the company and feel like they're going to do a good job on it. It was then extremely surprising, pleasantly surprising to find that they were easy to work with. They even made paying easy, you know, like they had everything. Oh, yeah. was, it was nice. But getting back to something you said about when you were looking for that and you scrolled to the first page of results and they found them at the bottom of the second, my hunch is that you were scrolling because you were looking for somebody to stand out and you found one yes. and they and they stood out in a good way you're like you would you would have scrolled to the fifth page you know eventually you would have found one that hey, that's exactly the one that sounds like the one i need right that's right? a great point um yeah the first page was all again the same thing of just extremely generic undifferentiatable <laughs> undifferentiated construction companies that uh, builds houses and builds apartments and remodels basements and remodels kitchens and blah, blah, like specializes in 77 different things. <laughs> uh, you can't do that. Right. That's not specialization. Yeah. Yep. And yes, and and I... so by extension, none of them stood out. Yes, they had basement remodeling on a long list of other things that doesn't make them stand out in fact that makes them fade into the background with all the other uh companies who say they do the same thing but the company yeah. who said who literally named their business after this very specific problem uh immediately stood out <laughs> yeah for the other companies it's just a bullet point on a long list of things that they do right yeah and I think the analogy that we're trying to draw here is between that and developers, right? Like where, whether you're, again, solo developer, even a development firm, you know, or so again, somebody looking for a, a development job, it's like, if that's, if what you specialize in is front and center, then scrolling, like you can imagine somebody looking for somebody and they're scrolling through a list on LinkedIn or whatever, and 
and look, there it is. Like that's that sounds like the guy we need. That's the developer that specializes in our problem. I'm gonna no matter what, I'm gonna reach out to them, even if they're not even available. You know, because mm-hmm. um, I, I get that all the time. You know, the people will email me and say, okay, I know that you're booked up, but <laughs> will you just talk to me? And because they are so convinced that I can solve their problem, that you know that they they reach out anyway. So. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So we've kind of talked about some of the ways that you can differentiate yourself from other people. Um, and we're, again, we're, I think what we're really talking about here is specialization. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I mentioned this earlier, but when you get to a point where you found something that you want to specialize in, it's then important to kind of communicate that to your potential market and to back it up and to back it up so, so we should how maybe do you stop do right here this is clearly this is not something you can just like do overnight this is not something you snap your fingers and it just happens right. this is not something where you switch your linkedin headline and it, it, you're, you're done this is you have to cultivate expertise mm-hmm. right Now, what you can do is cultivate it and make make the public aware that that's what you're doing. Make your potential customers aware that you are in the process of doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Demonstrate it publicly as you're growing. That is, yeah. that part of it is possible. It doesn't mean you're an expert on day one, but even the fact that you are working in that direction, I think, sets you apart. So there's something to be said for that. Yeah, I think it's it's great to, I think we talked about this in one of our more career development focused episodes, but it's great, especially early on when you're kind of just getting started, sort of e- either just literally getting started in maybe your career or with your firm, whatever it is, or if you're just getting started in the, the specialization track or the positioning track, um, it's, it's good to have, to get this wide broad experience Uh, that's good because then you can find opportunities you can find the types of people the types of industries the types of problems that you enjoy and working on and care about solving Um, oh i lost my train of thought real hard it just crashed (laughs) flew right (laughs) off the tracks um so, so but at some point, the more you add to that list, so, so if you think about your website or even your resume or whatever, the more you kind of add to that list, just like the construction companies, companies I was talking about, the more things you add to the list of projects I have done or clients I have, like types of clients I have served or types of construction we've done in the past, the more you add to that list, the more you dilute the positioning the specialization and and again once again fade back into the background become more of a commodity so just because you maybe specialize in one thing and that's the thing that your messaging is centered around and that's the thing that focus on in your uh, your public interface basically that's your website your resume your linkedin profile whatever it might be your marketing content anything like that your portfolio 
just because your public interface claims uh, this or focuses on this, this specialization, that doesn't mean that's the only thing you can do or the only thing you will do. It might mean that, uh, and that might be fine, but it's just a way to get attention to stand out and it's a way for you to develop expertise. If you're constantly shifting your focus and working with um, the you know, work order automation for manufacturers one week, and then the next week you go work on um, AP automation for, I don't know, e-commerce company, and then later you go work on inventory management for a distributor. Like, you're, not, you're not cultivating any sort of expertise that matters in the eyes of your buyers. You're, you're cultivating, you know, generic, general, wide experience with NetSuite and with SuiteScript, and that's that's a fine foundation, but it's not going to make you stand out. Right. Yeah. And I'm guilty of that myself, you know. Um, <laughs> so we turn this into a Tim Dietrich teardown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. It wouldn't be hard to do for sure. Um, so, you know, in the past, my I kind of build myself as a an integration specialist, whatever that means. Like, if you ask me now, I, I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm half joking there. Um, but you know, it's pick two technologies, and I'll find a way to integrate them. Right? That's kind of like what I was what I was going for. Um, and I was extremely busy doing that, you know, because somebody would search on one technology and the other one that they want to integrate with, and I would come up and great. Um, it's it, so again, you know, it was I was successful doing that, but the problem with that approach is that I wasn't um, I wasn't getting particularly good with any one particular platform. I really and I really wasn't differentiating myself. Right, I wasn't an expert. In, in any of those technologies that I listed, right? I just, I knew how to wire them together. Um, uh, and so, and that started to drive me a little bit crazy. It was, it was tough in a lot of ways. It was tough in terms of marketing and positioning and so on. Mm -hmm. um, it was clever, you know, I think, you know, again, I, I was, I was like a, an integration platform as a service. I was a walking version of that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Living, and breathing Soligo. Yeah, that's. I should have just changed my name. It's been easier. Um, so, and I realized it was a problem. And in Tim Boomy, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that'll be my nickname. So, um, you know, I guess it was about a year ago that I really started to look at at least specializing to some extent in NetSuite integrations and. I can't say that that's all that I've done over the past year, because I certainly have done a ton of things over the past year. Some projects don't involve NetSuite at all, uh, much to my dismay. Um, but it has led to some extent to specializing in, in NetSuite. And then it also kind of led to some degree to SuiteQL, you know, which is something I write about often. Mm -hmm. you know, so. I started to go deep, I guess is really what I'm getting at. Yeah. Um, started to go deep with NetSuite, with integrations in particular. Mm -hmm. And it has really changed the way that I do what I do. It's it's 
it's starting to change the way I market myself and position myself. Although if you look at my website, at least if you were to look at it today, it doesn't reflect that. My LinkedIn profile still doesn't reflect that. I'm working on those things. Like you said, it's not something that happens overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, but the benefits of that specialization have already started to show themselves to me. You know, I'm, I'm doing work I really enjoy doing. I'm making good money doing it. The opportunities are coming. And I'm not competing on price, right? Or at yes. least I'm not competing on price alone. So I'm not just right. another, I think that this is the way it's some of them. I'm not just another NetSuite developer now. I mean, I am I'm a NetSuite developer, but I'm not, that's not my thing, right? That's not how I bill myself. Is that's, that's not it. Um, so what's interesting about that too is that when a prospective client approaches me, in many cases, they're already convinced that I'm the person that can help them out especially with the sweet ql stuff that i've been doing yeah we're gonna have people refer to me as the sweet ql guy which i think is funny (laughs) um and so what has been interesting about that is that they don't seem to be as concerned about price as i think you know i as i would suspect that they would or expect them to be there it's really just come down to um you know are you available because we know you can solve the problem and we could talk about availability as a problem at some point in the future too. But um, but that is the side effect, I think, of specializing, that when it works, you I think you end up with a pipeline of business and prospects, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's a good problem to have. All right, so, so there, there's like a ton of things you said in there, several things in there you said that I, I really want to loop back to. Um, so the, the first thing absolutely that's what special specialization does and that's what cultivating expertise in public showing it off does people come to you just saying take my money (laughs) when can you fix our problem they don't care about your rates they don't care it's an afterthought that's like a formality a part of the process they come to you knowing you're the person knowing you are the right ones there's no long sales process there's no like rounds of demos nothing like that they know they are confident that you are the person and they're just ready to hire you but the question is when are you available right that's super powerful so like i do want to so i want to circle back on one thing first that is the alternatives, all these these firms. So, like I mentioned, you know, the firms that are undifferentiated. That doesn't mean they're unsuccessful, right? Obviously, they're still in business and they're running teams, and they have to be making money or they wouldn't be in business. But they're doing that with an army of salespeople. Almost all of them are doing that with just an army of salespeople. Probably more salespeople than execution people, right? And those salespeople are just constantly out developing relationships. And so that's, I mean, that's another way to to build your business, right? Is on relationships. So you don't have to be as specialized if you can constantly focus on building relationships and building trust. Because ultimately, that's what you need for someone to hand you their money. You need to trust each other. And so... If you don't have that, 
if you're a solo developer, for instance, and you don't have an army of salespeople behind you, you need other ways to stand out and you need other ways to cultivate relationships and build trust. And so specializing lets you do that. It lets you pick, lets you narrow your focus on who you're talking to so that you can talk to in your, uh, when you're trying to learn what the problems they face are, when you're trying to develop your expertise, when you're trying to generate marketing content or write your resume, you know who you're talking to. You know what they're, what problems they're facing. It, like you can have a specific person in your mind that you're talking to. And it makes, it just makes writing that sort of stuff, publishing that sort of stuff, doing research, things like that so much easier because you have this image of this, this person in your mind and not like, oh, anyone who uses NetSuite. Um, that's tough. That's a tough audience to write for because they all have very different needs and, and problem problems or tough audience to serve, um, to stand out in. And then the third thing, which I really want to touch on, is that you had mentioned when you were a, quote, integration specialist, you said you were very busy doing that and very successful. Those two are not necessarily the same thing. I would be very interested to hear why those clients hired you. Like if you could go back and talk to all of them, why did they hire you? And I bet there was a lot of it that was your rates because I'm going to guess at that time, your rates were not super high. You were successful in the sense that you made a ton of money by doing a ton of work. Am I, am I right? Am I way off base? No, you're absolutely right. It was, the rate was too low because I made it affordable. Uh -huh. And it was a lot of work because it, 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 it's just everyone was kind of a, a one-off. I mean, there was occasional opportunities to reuse code and so on, but re essentially every project was starting from scratch. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of work involved in it. I was working hard, but not smart. Yeah, just super low profitability, right? Mm -hmm. You're right. making more by working more. And, and I, would, I would guess if, if you just remained as, quote, integration specialist and doubled your rates, no one would hire you or very way fewer people would hire you right. if and probably probably no one honestly um yeah I, I would agree with that on the other hand if you are just by tweaking it slightly and saying you are a netsuite integration specialist and positioning yourself against the big boys like Boomi and Soligo. One, you have a massive price anchor <laughs> in their services, like 72 grand a year to, to put Soligo in, right? At like minimum. That's just the subscription fee, let alone like implementation and stuff like that. Um, that's a really good price anchor for one. And two... Like you could double your rates and probably your clients don't even notice. They're still happy to pay it because they know you're the guy. They know you're the NetSuite 
integration guy and you've and your perspective the more clients you get in that that you can uh provide some social proof of hey i built a netsuite integration for these people and here's what they said about it the more your prospective clients will um, believe that <laughs> and gain trust in you without you doing anything they'll yeah. come to you saying take my money don't care what your rates are and your rates are twice what they were four times what they were like yeah so well basically what i ended up doing you know i mentioned that i had this and you can still see it like maybe hopefully by the time this episode airs if you were to go to my site you won't see this embarrassing list of technologies that i <laughs> would integrate with it's just like a shopping list of you know everything you'd probably expect to see there mm -hmm. um you know and again i'll joke and say just pick two and i'll wire them up for you but you know my new strategy is i'm trying to position myself as a netsuite integration specialist and so i've i've sort of the common thread now that runs through the projects that i'm doing is that there it involves netsuite mm -hmm. right and it involves integrating with netsuite so and i could probably narrow that down even more but i haven't felt like i needed to yet you know, like, okay, yeah. I would, but you can you know, go too it, narrow. You can absolutely go too yeah. narrow. Right. But at least now there is some, a, a more strong and common thread that runs through the projects and the work that I do. And it's clear to somebody who, you know, it's looking at my, whether it's my site or my LinkedIn profile or whatever, that yeah, I'm not just an integration expert or specialist that you know, I actually, it's, the, uh, if it doesn't involve NetSuite, I'm not the guy, right? I'm not the guy for you. Yeah. If it's NetSuite and Shopify, sure. If it's Shopify and Salesforce, no, I'm not your guy, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Uh, so there's at least that. Um, and it's taken me a long time to kind of get to that point, you know, mm -hmm. to kind of narrow it down that much. But again, I'm, I'm glad that I have. I, and I've, I've been you know, so busy that I haven't even had a chance to update the marketing, you know, the public facing part of what I do with the exception of my blog. That's been the number one way that I've gotten the word out that that's the kind of work that I do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mentioned before that, you know, I've been blogging a lot about SuiteQL. I use that in my NetSuite integrations. Yeah. So I write about it a lot. And that has been the number one way that I've kind of communicated that this is the kind of work that I do. And it has really, it's paid off. I didn't start writing it with that intention. It was really just sharing knowledge with the sort of benefit, the good karma that came along with sharing uh, the work that I'm doing has, mm -hmm. you know, has paid off with interest for sure. So. Yeah. I, I think to circle back to, again, to something you said, um, when you are just say an integration specialist, uh, that's not, that's not terrible. It's people who've never heard of you know, when they need an integration, like now, most likely they know very specifically the two systems on each side of the integration or the multiple systems involved, but they know they need an integration. So that might at least get you some attention, but then they say, go to your website and they see 10, 12, 15 different technologies, and maybe a couple that they're interested in are in there, but 
that doesn't make you stand out. It might got you. It might have got you that that first bit of attention uh, to get them there. But then again, it's the same as the construction companies I talked about before. Like, okay, I I know I need a construction company, but they, you know, so it gets their websites get my attention because they're a construction company. Yeah, but I, when you change to I do NetSuite integration. How easy is that for, for prospective clients to self-select? Yeah. Uh, it's very immediately obvious to them without knowing anything else that they should at least uh, talk to you and look at, look at what you offer. And now if that list of technologies includes some of their systems, now it's even more like, oh, we have to, we have to talk to this person. Yeah. But just by eliminating basically one half, maybe one side of the integration by being very specific about that. You've made it infinitely easier for prospective clients, employers, whatever it might be to self-select and say, hmm, we should talk to Tim. Yeah, it's gone from being a, a many-to-many relationship between the two like you know, technologies that I could integrate with to a one-to-many, right? And NetSuite's always on at least one side of, mm-hmm. of that relationship. And, and, you know, it, I feel pretty good about it. Going back to just being an integration specialist, I kind of, so I see that as I was like just one step above just saying I'm a software developer, right? Like if I yeah. just <laughs> build myself yep. as a software developer, I'd be like, well, well, that was a time where that was okay, way back, you know, where you could say, yeah, right. he does talk to Tim, he can develop software for you. It's, it's a different world, you know, than where we are today. You have to yeah you have to be a little bit more clear about what kind of software you develop what kind of problems do you solve you know and now as as an integration specialist you're competing against i don't know zapier (laughs) yeah good luck i guess (laughs) yeah i would get the the jobs where you know it wasn't clear how to do the integration or it just wasn't that clear cut you know it was more to it than Mm -hmm. just you know, point to point type. Oh, Zapier can't do it for us. Okay. Well now we should look at Right. Now we need to find somebody to do it. And then, yeah. So I think that's one of the reasons I would get, you know, the opportunities that I got, but now it's, it's even better. Um, And I'm starting to build expertise in NetSuite integrations, right? Uh With every project I do, I'm going a little bit deeper with that. So so yeah, and so thing. to bring this, I think Zapier is a nice opportunity to bring this back to commoditization. Why is competing against Zapier different than competing against Boomi or Soligo? It's because you're, you've labeled, you labeled yourself as an integration specialist. Uh, Zapier has commoditized integrations, mm-hmm. right? They've made it super easy and for, for anyone, for non-developers to integrate two systems and cheap. That's way different than Soligo's 72 grand per year or Boomi's, I don't even know what their pricing looks like. Uh, that's, it's way different. They're not commoditizing their, their products, right? They are trying to make them luxury pricing, <laughs> essentially. Maybe not quite luxury, but certainly premium uh, brands, if you will, in the integration space. That's right. Yeah. So getting back to this idea of, you know, you've established yourself as an expert, 
or you're trying to, and, and I mentioned that I think, you, you know, the next step is besides building that expertise, but getting the word out. And I mentioned that one of the ways I get the word out is on my blog. Um, mm. But there are a bunch of different ways to do that, you know, and it might be helpful to talk a little bit about that too, right? Like one of them besides blogging is what we're doing right now. You know, I'll start a podcast or be yeah. a guest on a podcast. Um, there's one that's perfect for NetSuite developers <laughs> that we both know about is, you know, here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, that there's that. Um, sure. Writing a book, you know, which you've done quite a bit of, um, you know, whether it's something that you're selling or it's a, a freebie, you know, um, but there's that. And these all take time, right? It's not, I'm going to mm. rattle off a list of ways that you can show that you're an expert in something, but still put the work into like creating the thing and doing it the way that is going to add value to you know your prospective customers or employers or whatever yes. that are checking you out it can't just be junk because um, mm-hmm. right? otherwise you've actually you know instead of establishing expertise you've probably done more harm than good so. right you would have been better as NetSuite developer right yeah um, you're, you're, I can't emphasize enough that you're you're cultivating this expertise and you're doing so in public because if you do it in private it doesn't matter (laughs) no one can see it you're not sharing it with anyone so yeah it's not now it's no longer um validate it's your clients your prospective clients can't validate it if they can't see it so it's not something where you go hide in a dark room and and try somehow come up with these things out of out of the depths of your brain you do this by working in public by talking to the people who are experiencing the problems you want to solve the audience you want to serve uh, more specifically listening to them uh, certainly not talking at them hey i can fix your problem with my great process Uh, no listen to them to what the problems they're experiencing are and start being present in that space and helping and helping solve those common problems in public. Yeah. Yeah. So on that list of ways to kind of spread the word that you are, you know, or establish yourself as an expert, I had contribute to the community as one of my yes, bullet points present. that I wanted to bring up. Yeah. And I, again, it goes back to for NetSuite developers, what better way to do that than, you know, be involved in the, in the Slack the NetSuite professional Slack, help people out if you can. Um, uh, so Reddit. I, I will say that's a good, like the Slack is a good place for NetSuite developers and building your NetSuite development skill or being present in the development community. So it's a good way to build SuiteScript expertise. But again, SuiteScript developers probably aren't your clients. I, I agree with you. I think one thing I point out, though, about the NetSuite Professional Slack is that there's a lot of interesting channels. That's true. That's very true. Room. I am so focused on the yeah. SuiteScript channel in there. That's very true. Yep. I mean, there's you know ones for accounting administration. I'm looking at the list now. Accounting administration. You're totally right. You're, you're totally right. Yeah. I'm just so ingrained. Like the SuiteScript channel is maybe the only channel I'm ever in in there. 
that right. the SDF channel. So you're totally yeah. right about that. Yes. Yeah, I think, and you know, there's not a lot of. Um, I, I think the bulk of what's going on in the NetSuite Slack uh, is going on in in SuiteScript and the general channel. Um, but yeah, some of the conversations that start up in those lesser known channels um, are really interesting, and they're especially interesting for somebody like myself who you know. I'm, I'm trying to get a sense of like, what are the pain points for people that are using NetSuite? And I'm yeah. not, again, I'm interested in what other developers are running into, but I am curious about like, like for example, that there's a suite people, you know, the HR um, channel. I'm curious about like, what do people think of that that are using it? What issues are they running into? Mm-hmm. Same with suite commerce, you know? So, so I think that's, you know, very helpful. Um, so yeah, so I guess that my point there is that, that once you've kind of decided on the specialization that you think is right for you, this is one way, I think it's also a great way to kind of to, to get a sense of whether or not the specialization makes sense. Like if you're looking at these communities, you could refer to them as watering holes, mm-hmm. you know, if, uh, if nobody's talking about the problem that you think you're, you want to try to solve, the area that you want to specialize in, well... That doesn't mean it's not a good area of specialization, but it might be a, a red flag, right? Yeah. Maybe you're trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist or it's just so rare that maybe it's not going to sustain you. Right. I'm going through this right now with trying to find where, not developers, but like where do development directors hang out? Where do CTOs of small companies, like what are their watering holes, right? They're not in Slack like asking tactical questions, right? Um, they're yeah. doing other things, working on the strategic initiatives and stuff. So, yeah, it's not always easy to find these watering holes, and it's not easy to write a blog post every day. It's not easy to do any of this stuff. None of this stuff is easy or overnight success. It's the ongoing effort it's developing a habit of Mm -hmm. cultivating expertise and just showing up and doing the work even when you don't feel like it's working yeah it definitely takes some commitment some dedication and it's easy to you know lose hope but if you've chosen specialization well and you're really into it and you keep at it, I think the benefits will reveal themselves sooner than you might imagine. If Um, you have found specialization that you care about, and if you have found a set of people and problems that, that you want to help, like genuinely want to help solve beyond because it's lucrative, but it has to be more than about money. Or it, that's not you won't sustain the habit. Um, most people won't. Anyway, maybe there are some of the more mercenary types that will, but most people won't. They need to have genuine interest and care about the people and the problems that they're solving. And then it feels less like work. You'll be more apt to show up and and help because you care because you want genuinely want to help 
So if you've found a specialization or you think you've found a specialization and you find yourself just constantly frustrated when you're trying to, to quote unquote help, that's probably not the right specialization. Yeah, absolutely. If your heart's not in it, it's going to be pretty clear to people that you're talking to that. Oh, it will be very people. People can sniff that out immediately. Right. Even if you're an expert in it, but your heart's not in it, you know, it's like, well, it's going to come across that way. So one of the other things I did in preparing for this episode is I, I went back through and I thought about potential specializations for NetSuite specifically. Oh, interesting. So one of the ones that you had mentioned, and it goes way back, I think, to maybe even our first episode was the, you had mentioned, imagine being an NetSuite developer who specializes in, um, in ARM, you know, advanced revenue management. Yeah. And, um, and in our last episode, we interviewed Adam and he mentioned, um, you know, developers that specialize in warehouse management, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in WMS that, you know, man, you know, that's a pretty awesome combination. And that kind of inspired me to kind of look a little bit deeper and think about, you know, what other combinations or what other specializations are specific to NetSuite. And I've made a little bit of a list here that I think is is interesting. And my hope is that in sharing the list, if somebody is interested in one of these areas, then maybe it becomes, maybe it makes it a little bit easier for them to say, oh, I, I never thought I could specialize in that. And maybe they'll pursue it. Sure, um, yeah. So I'll, I'll rattle a few off. Um, I, sweet people, I mentioned that earlier, the HR uh, offering and payroll. You know, if, if you've got a background in HR or payroll and or even an interest in it and you're a developer, you know, man, imagine that combination. Or even just being a net sweet, sweet people expert. You know, you don't have to be a developer, but mm-hmm. specializing in something like that. Taxes is another. I can't imagine anything worse personally, but there are people who, <laughs> <laughs> you know. That but we're maybe. glad that people who are interested in that stuff so that Absolutely. we don't have to solve those problems. Yeah, and imagine being, you know, the net sweet tax uh, person, right? Like, that's the expert. So there's that. Um Sweet commerce, we mentioned that earlier. That's a little bit vague, but you know, maybe not. Um, training is another, and that's somewhat vague, but imagine being the NetSuite tax training person or the NetSuite accounts payable training person. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's starting to get too narrow. I don't know, but it's certainly worth exploring, I think. Um, implementations for a specific vertical, you know, like I help. Um, I don't know, uh, third-party logistics companies do in NetSuite implementations. I'm sure. kind of leaning on the, the conversation we had with Adam last week, but right. anything involving implementation and a vertical, I think is potentially an interesting combination. Yeah, for kind of the um, sweet success model, I think that's really where NetSuite themselves yeah. is trying to, to go with their own implementations. Yep. And then kind of piggyback on what you just said there, um, I've also, I've noticed lately that a lot of the business development reps that NetSuite are bringing on are being assigned to very specific verticals that I've found mm-hmm. to be really interesting. I didn't even know that some of these existed, but um, sure. retail and distribution, I've seen that one. Health and beauty is another, food and beverage. There's even one for apparel and footwear. I've actually seen business development reps that have been assigned specifically to that. And I'm sure the list goes on and on. I'm, I can't 
you know, I didn't go crazy on the research, but right, right. So there are so many ways that you could specialize. And if you think about what I just said there with those business development reps that, that are focused on the, those areas, mm -hmm. if you're a developer and you've got expertise in one of those verticals, and you can somehow get a relationship with the business development reps that are also serving those verticals. I can't think of a better uh, person to interact with. You know, like that's your gateway to prospective customers right there. Yeah. And I mean, why, so why do you specialize? You know, why is NetSuite the investing in, in specific vertical, you know, in other words, vertical vertical is one specialization. So why are they investing in doing that? You know, why not just have generic business development reps that that serve any vertical? It's because they one implementation is a very expensive problem. <laughs> uh, you know, once companies make the decision to use Netsuite, that's a very expensive, intensive, laborious process and problem to have. And so by specializing you know netsuite themselves isn't specializing but they're building specialized units to help these verticals because a lot of is the verticals the companies in those verticals are experiencing many of the same problems they have many of the same needs they're implementing netsuite for many of the same reasons and so they can build this domain knowledge about that vertical about their specialization and then what they can do is start to identify the repeatable parts of the process and make those, the, the problem doesn't get uh, less expensive because NetSuite, as NetSuite gets better at implementing it uh, because they, are, they have all this shared, repeatable, common problems they're solving consistently. And then they can customize where they need to for, individ for individual businesses. But they're building this domain knowledge and making it repeatable so that they can better serve their market, their vertical in this case, their specialization, in different ways. And they can start to innovate in the ways that they serve that market because they're constantly seeing new opportunities and they're seeing the same problem. That's way harder to do if you just say, I'm a NetSuite developer or I'm a NetSuite firm and we'll do anything for anyone as long as they use NetSuite because you don't get that repeatable um, part. You can't, it's much harder, takes a lot more work to, to do that. You're playing on hard mode if you try to specialize in, quote unquote, specialize in just NetSuite. Yeah, I think you know, seeing what they're doing with this, with the business development reps and sort of assigning them to verticals, it was an eye opener for me because it's, it indicates to me that they're, they're setting the, the reps up with verticals that are either already extremely hot, meaning there's a lot of business opportunity there, where they think that it's going to be, like they have some indication that they've seen that like all of a sudden apparel and footwear is like taking off, you know, and that's, we need, we need reps to hmm. handle that. And it's really interesting too, like based on what you just said, it didn't occur to me before, but like those, they're essentially creating reps that are specializing, right? They're, yeah. And it's exactly what we're talking about doing with developers. We're yeah. saying, you know. So even if you aren't an entrepreneur and aren't going to work on your own, there are still businesses that hire people for specific specializations, not just yeah. a generic 
job role. So I hope that those lists and the idea, you know, will help people that are listening to this and saying, you know, it all sounds good, but I don't even know where to start. Well, hopefully something in, in this will resonate and, or maybe yeah, you, you know, have so, something that's completely different, right? Yeah. If you're, if you're like considering the idea and, but you don't know like where to start, what, what might I specialize in? Um, Philip Morgan gives the advice to do an inventory, a client inventory, a project inventory. It applies even if you're, again, a full-time employee. Just go back through the projects you've done in the past, go back through the clients you've worked with in the past, and just take an inventory of the things that you have done, who you've worked with, what you liked, loved, hated, all that sort of stuff, just your sort of emotional reaction re reflecting on those those projects and then so just take an hour or, or whatever however long it takes and just build this inventory with your sort of emotional reaction to these to your past work and then once you've done that go back through and try to find the common threads what did i hate doing well that's it's <laughs> pretty clear uh maybe don't specialize in that <laughs> <laughs> And then the things that you loved, the types of people you loved working with, the types of problems you loved solving, you can use those to start building sort of your specialization. You know, a vertical is just one type of specialization. Um, I think there are like seven or nine sort of accepted specialization tracks. Um, I'll try to find a, a link to put in the show notes that talks about that. Um, yeah. So, so just go back through what you have done and, and sort of figure it out based on that. Or just think about the types, you know, reflect on the, the types of problems you think you would like um, and explore that. Yeah. You have to do some soul searching, whether you're an individual or a business. <laughs> you have to do some reflection to, to figure this out. And you mentioned Philip Morgan, and we've we've mentioned him, and also Jonathan Stark in the past. I know that the the two of them have helped you and I tremendously with our careers and businesses. And um, it's worth mentioning them again, and we'll include them in the show notes. If you're not already familiar with their work, you should definitely check it out. But I think um, it's important to note that, like what we're talking about here, is you know there's a lot of people that are trying to help people do what we're talking about to specialize, find an area of specialization. Um, it's not unique to NetSuite. And I think that's really our, our message, right? It's that yeah, this is not. a community that it's, I don't think it's as uh, widespread. If you go on LinkedIn, you're going to you search for NetSuite developer, you're going to find thousands and thousands of them. Um, but you're not going to find people that are specializing yet. And I right. think, um, you know, again, it's an opportunity for you to do that and get out ahead of it. And it's no less important in the NetSuite world than it is in software development or technology or whatever um, in general. So, mm -hmm. so I think the big point of this, uh, this episode. Yeah, it lets you, specialization makes it easier to cultivate your expertise because you know who you're talking to and you, you work on similar problems. Um, so you can find common threads and cultivate this expertise. Yeah. And if you 
if you react to that working on similar problems with, oh, but I'll probably get bored. No, you won't. <laughs> no, you absolutely will not. Uh, the rabbit holes go forever deep. Um, it lets you, when you are specialized, it lets you charge premium rates. And even better, it lets you get away from billing by the hour. <laughs> you brought up Jonathan Stark, and now I'm now I'm gonna go on this hourly hourly <laughs> billing rant. I'm gonna try not to. We'll save it for another episode. But yeah, yeah, I know, you know we have that one on the list. Yeah, um, and it I'm, sets I'm the really stage for that. Just like trying to back off the soapbox, but specialization yeah. narrows your focus to make it easier to know who you're talking to, the types of problems you'll consistently solve, so that you can cultivate valuable expertise and charge better rates, premium rates, for that expertise, rather than racing to the bottom with the rest of the market. Right. And if you've chosen well, and you really have chosen a specialization that you love to do, like what's work you love to do, then, you know, there's not much better than that, right? So that's something that's it's a, a benefit as well. Sure, there's monetary benefits to it. And you know, so on, but um, I think just the fact that you can get up in the morning and do work that you love, there's it, like, is there really anything better than that? Besides having the day off. <laughs> so. No, I don't think there is. You spend too much time at work, doing work, thinking about work to not enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this was a long one. Um, yeah, if you're I'm still sure. with us, congratulations. Yeah. You yep. don't win anything except hearing more <laughs> of our voice. Well, hopefully the list at the end is a benefit. So if you lasted that long and maybe again, like something, you know, in the list of potential specializations for NetSuite, it, it hopefully it was worth the wait. <laughs> yeah. So, awesome. Well, should we close out with our, do we have things that are, interesting or exciting sure do you want to go first i can go first i think a couple episodes ago maybe i mentioned that the book um, it doesn't have to be crazy at work was on its way was in the mail it's a book by the co-founders of Basecamp that basically posits that we're all doing work wrong, especially in the software world, that um, wild expectations, crazy working hours, uh, all that sort of stuff doesn't actually have to be part of our jobs and, and shouldn't be and is, is actively harmful to our health and our well-being. Um, and they're very direct, very aggressive, very assertive about that. Uh, statement that point of view and the book is incredible <laughs> i'm actually uh i don't know three quarters of the way through it after just a couple days um so it's it's a great read i'm having an incredibly hard time disagreeing with anything they say although i may say it differently they're a little more antagonistic than i might be about it um but it's just great i i think the software industry as a whole and 
and especially like the ERP development in the NetSuite space, it's way too common to have very unhealthy working space or like working conditions, if you will. Um, and not from a not from like a physical unhealth unhealthy perspective, but more of a mental, a psychological, where you're just always on. You're always at work. You're always available. You're yeah. You know, you're always on Slack or email. You're always checking your email or, or something like that. Or you're always you know up late writing code, things like that. Um, and it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed that book. I I mentioned that I had read that and. Prior to that, I had read their rework, which I think is just awesome as well. So yeah. I'm glad you liked it. Um, my cool thing this week is completely the opposite direction. Okay. <laughs> uh, I stumbled upon the site a while back, and I don't know how I did, but <laughs> it's going to sound totally geeky. But uh, it's called ultrasabers.com, and it is essentially... Uh -huh lightsabers that yeah and if, when i was a kid and i'd be lying if i said a little part of me doesn't light up when i saw the site but <laughs> you know it it these these things are really awesome looking so um some of them are expensive some of them aren't like you can basically configure i think your own lightsaber and have it shipped to you i don't know that it really works <laughs> hopefully it doesn't because otherwise a lot of people cutting each other in half and stuff but <laughs> man when i was a little kid i would have died for one of these and uh right. so anyway it's ultrasabers.com i have no affiliation with them whatsoever <laughs> yet i'd love to be affiliated with them as a customer and maybe i will at some point but uh i don't know what i'd do with it other than Swing it around to break something. Yeah. And then immediately <laughs> so, put it on a shelf and never use it again. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. So, anyway, they're really neat. And uh, if you get a chance, check it out if you're a Star Wars fan, or even if you're not, maybe well, you will be. <laughs> I'm very public about my Star Wars fandom. So, you know, you know, I already knew about Ultra Sabers. <laughs> oh, okay. So, yeah, maybe, yeah. There's a few so, companies like that that do, that do similar, similar stuff. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. You know, I think back to when I was a kid and it was just, it was enough to just have the little action figures, right? And man, they were my best friends when I was a kid. <laughs> and now oh, it's yeah. like all the stuff that's out there, it's insane, so. Yeah, there's a little plush Grogu behind me right now. There's a little Stormtrooper pillow behind me. There's a Darth Vader helmet in my closet. <laughs> yeah. I have. Uh, just eyeballing i have about two dozen of the star wars tabletop rpg books novels comics boy that's a lot <laughs> yeah i suspect that we're not alone in our i specialize in okay. star wars fandom <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was pretty much it for me as a kid that and legos so anyway but anyway that's my cool thing for the week Great. We'll have links to all that stuff in the show notes. Is there anything else you want to wrap up with? I don't think so. I think this is our first episode before the holidays hit. We've got this week and next week. So happy holidays to you and your family. Uh, and thank you. Uh, you to as well. All of our, to all of our listeners out there. Hopefully, we have no idea how many, and that's a topic for another show, but yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully somebody's out there listening. If so, happy holidays. Stay safe. Have fun. And uh, Yes, cool. I hope you get some time off, some time to relax and enjoy. Maybe some time with your family, maybe remotely. Uh, who knows? But enjoy the holidays. 
Yeah. All right. All right. Well, that is it for this episode. Join us again next time for more Sweet Script stories. Bye-bye.